Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Grease, the original soundtrack from the motion picture released in 19... 19- oh, I didn't get the record label. Whoops, gotta go grab that real quick. Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Grease, the original soundtrack from the motion picture released in 1978 under RSO Records. And today... It's just going to be me, folks. There is no guest. We are going uh, old school, kind of mix of old school, new school with this. I did a couple episodes that was just me when the pandemic first hit. And obviously, you know, that that was a couple years ago now. Um, we've been living in this shit. Um, that's a really negative way to start off a podcast, but here we are. But uh, I thought it'd be fun this time around. It's been a while since it's just been me on the mic. And uh, I had some thoughts on this soundtrack that I wanted to share with you guys. So I hope you don't mind if uh, you just listen to me babble on alone in my apartment. I mean, that's pretty much the episodes anyways. It's just somebody on the other end of the Zoom call. So, uh, you know, you get what you pay for and this is free. So there's that. I am so excited to be back doing the pod. Um, Honestly, this is going to be episode 47 for the podcast. So we're we're getting up there. And uh, I honestly didn't really think I'd make it past like 20 episodes. This really is truly a passion project of mine. And it brings me so much joy to actually do it. Um, And I'm just grateful to you guys for also listening. It's been so fun seeing how it's grown. Um, Even just like from going back to listening old episodes and hearing everybody get absolutely smashed. I think we've matured in a way as well. We would usually wake up with pretty bad hangovers in the morning, even though it made made for some uh, pretty good content. But I am excited to see that the podcast has come such a long way. Um, we've had sponsors this year. We've done themed episodes. We've moved on to soundtracks and comedy albums, which has been so cool. Um, and seriously, I can't thank you guys enough for sticking with it over the last few years through everything. Um, it truly is one of my favorite things to do in the world. So I'm just so excited to be with you here today to talk about a pretty iconic soundtrack. Um, before we get into my own thoughts on the record. As always, I've got to give you guys a bit of a backstory on the album and how it came to be. So let's do that right now, shall we? Grease is a 1978 musical comedy film based on the stage musical originally created by Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey that centers around the love story between Sandy Olsen, an Aussie good girl, and Danny Zuko, an American bad boy, who meet and experience a whirlwind romance over the summer and unexpectedly reunite for one hell of a senior year at Rydell High. The film stars John Travolta as Danny and Olivia Newton-John as Sandy, with supporting characters Rizzo, Kanicki, Frenchie, Marty, Putsy, Jan, Sunny, and Duty, making up the infamous Pink Ladies and T-Birds. The film was an immediate success, grossing nearly $8 million in its opening weekend, and it went on to earn $132 million, thus becoming the highest grossing film of the year. The soundtrack to the film was the second best-selling album of the year in the U.S., and Sandy's ballad, Hopelessly Devoted to You, was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. In the last 40 years, Grease has spawned a sequel starring Michelle Pfeiffer, a live remake with Vanessa Hudgens and Aaron Tveit, a Paramount Plus TV series, and was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. I'm pretty sure I pronounced Aaron Tevet wrong throughout all of that. Aaron Tevet? Aaron Tevet? Why is his name spelled that way? Who puts a T and a V next to each other in a name? Anyways, apologize to Aaron Tevet. Tevet? Tevet? I think it's Tevet. Anyways, he was in the remake. Did anyone see the remake? I didn't. I feel like it was probably trash, but that's also me just being pessimistic, as I always am. 
folks, um, we're recording this on September 1st, which officially in my mind marks the end of summer. Things are cooling down. It is no longer sweltering hot, which I'm grateful for, but it also means that fall is upon us. It's actually my favorite season. Uh, I do not like being sweaty. I do not like being hot. I do not like having to wear shorts. So I am much looking forward to donning my leather jacket and sweaters again. That being said, I am also going to mourn the months of June and July and August where we did have some beautiful weather. It forced us all to get outside and we got to open up restaurants here in Toronto, um, indoor dining, which was huge for me. I was so excited to eat at restaurants again. Um, it's been a, it's been a great summer. And so today I am cheersing to summer 2021, uh, with a tequila sunrise, which is actually one of my favorite drinks. It's super easy to make. And it's great if you're entertaining because it doesn't require a whole lot of ingredients or really like measurements and coordination to make. And it looks great. It's Instagrammable. And in addition to the fact that we are celebrating the end of summer or morning, the end of summer, as I mentioned, for me, it's celebrating because I don't want to be hot anymore. Um, there is obviously a very famous song from the movie Grease, which is called Summer Nights. So with this being a perfect summer beverage, I felt it was very fitting. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to make it. It's super easy. You will need one and a half ounces of tequila blanco. Uh, half an ounce of grenadine and three to four ounces of orange juice, depending on how strong you want to make your drink. Uh, this is important. The actual, this is the only important thing I will tell you in making a tequila sunrise in order to get that perfect gradient of the grenadine bleeding into the orange juice. It's really beautiful. So you're going to want to fill up a rocks glass with ice, put in your tequila, put in your orange juice and add your grenadine last and don't stir it. It'll sink to the bottom and it's going to really get you that beautiful kind of sunburst ombre effect um, that you've seen on probably most tequila sunrises. It's delicious. It's sweet. You can drink it on a balcony. You can drink it on a couch. You could drink it probably anywhere if you put it in some sort of covered glass in Toronto that nobody knows it's in there. Coffee cup, that works too. But uh, that's how you make a tequila sunrise. And without further ado, I think we just got to get into the into this episode. Let's get into the mechanics of Greece. So the movie Greece, I was going to say it holds a very special place in my heart. And I guess partially that is true. When I went back to watch the film to prepare for today's episode, what I kept thinking of was my neighbors, Lindsay and Georgia, who I've known my entire lives were, um, were actually pretty much all the same age. Georgia is just a year younger than Lindsay and myself. And, uh, we literally grew up watching this movie. I do not know how many sleepovers and summer nights pun intended. Uh, we just spent like in each other's basements, like, uh, putting the VHS in and learning all the songs, learning the choreography, reenacting some of the scenes, which was probably highly inappropriate, but we did that a lot. And so in watching it, it really does bring that fond memory back to me. And, um, it is a fun movie in the sense where, you know, with a musical, you kind of have to have a little bit of fun. You can't take yourself too seriously unless you're like lame is, but this movie definitely does not take itself too seriously. I think it knows it's a little bit uh, ridiculous. I have some conflicting thoughts on, uh, the film. When I was younger, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. I didn't think too much about what I was watching. I just knew that the songs were catchy and it was, you know, based in the fifties and it was kind of like this rollicking good time, simpler, simpler time, I guess one would say as well. But as I watched it, when I got older, I feel like I picked up on a lot of the really troubling and perhaps ignorant messaging involved in the, in the movie. Um, I really hope this doesn't spoil the movie for anyone because you've had about 40 years to watch this. So like shame on you if this spoils it for you. Um, but essentially, you know, Danny and Sandy are two opposing forces. 
Sandy's from the right side of the tracks, AKA Australia, because it's the best. Uh, and Danny's from the wrong side of the tracks. He's like, you know, a leather jacket wearing smoking bad boy T-bird guy in the fifties who, you know, is known for being a bit of a ladies man. And Sandy's this very, um, picture perfect virginal kind of image of a, of a woman, a goody two shoes, if you will. She's pretty true to herself for the majority of the film. You know, they have some conflict here and there, Danny and Sandy, they meet up and Danny treats her kind of like trash because he doesn't want his friends to know that he's, you know, in love, hopelessly devoted to Sandy. Um, and he kind of spends the rest of the movie trying to win her affections back, uh, fails multiple times, you know, tries to grope her in the drive-in without asking, uh, ditches her at the dance to dance with Chacha Di Gregorio, Di Gregorio. I don't I think that's how you say her name, but she seems like a total bitch. That's basically how the movie goes. And you think that eventually he's coming around on the fact that, yeah, they're pretty different, but that's okay. You could be different and still be in love with someone, still be attracted to somebody. And then at the very end, she gets a makeover from Frenchie, who, by the way, is probably one of the best characters. And I think Lady Gaga should play her if there's a remake doesn't matter that Gaga's not high school age. That's not important. But she gets a makeover from, Sandy gets a makeover from Frenchie. It completely changes everything about her. Suddenly she's smoking when like, you know, an hour ago in the film, she tried to smoke a cigarette and like coughed it up. So she's smoking. She's fine with it. She's wearing high heeled shoes, like high heeled slingbacks basically. And like a leather getup and her hair's all teased and she's wearing all this makeup. And you're like, don't even recognize her. Like Olivia, is that you? Olivia Newton-John, who are you? And then that's like the big reconciliation moment in the film where Danny's like, oh, I have loved her all along. And you're like, well, I don't know if that's true because when she was wearing her poodle skirts, you kind of treated her like trash. So it's a little bit, um, I don't know, what's the word I want to use here? Shallow. <laughs> it's a little bit of a shallow film. And uh, I think it sends the wrong message when you're listening to it, when you're listening to the soundtrack, sorry, and watching the uh, the film today. Now, I mean, here, like, here's the thing. I'm not going to compare, you know, watching Grease to something stupid, like supporting Bill Cosby's comedy career. Like, it's definitely not on that level of bad. But, uh, you know, the movie was made a long time ago. So there's also some maybe comments that can be hurtful to people within the script itself, within some of the subject matter. But I will also give it credit that there are some songs that prove that you do not need to change for anybody. And I think the character that embodies that most is uh, Rizzo, played by Stalker Channing. And I think that's actually one of my favorite songs in the film, but we'll get to that later. I think Grease is a movie that you can watch like every so often for the nostalgia. Will I watch it to enjoy it? No, it's not going to be like, I'm in the mood to watch Grease. Like I, I won't, I don't think I will. Maybe if I see it come up on the Netflix homepage in like 10 years, I'd be like, oh, this could, this could be fun to go down memory lane a little bit and think of the time when I used to be Frenchy and all the reenactments with my neighbors. But, um, other than that, I'm going to have to pass on it. I think it's a, I think it's a little problematic now. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to leave the, the conversation with Grease, but it's not about the movie necessarily. Today, we're going to talk about the songs, how those songs fit into the movie. I'm going to tell you about some of my favorites. I'm going to tell you about some of the ones that bother me, and we're going to have a good time. Cheers to Tequila Sunrise and Summer Nights. It's really weird doing this again when no one's here. I forgot how strange it was to just be like talking into my microphone, staring at my wall. It's strange. And in a way, isn't that what we've all been doing for the last two years working from home? Yeah, it definitely has. 
Okay, so let's get into some of these songs. Now let's start things out on a positive note. I don't like to jump right into the negative. So I'm going to talk to a song that, while it might have certain problematic elements, I did find myself singing along to and really enjoying in the film, particularly the dance sequence, which I find is one of the most intricate. And that is the song Grease Lightning. Now, you cannot tell me that if you don't hear the words, why it could be dramatic ultramatic you're not like thinking oh grease lightning is coming and like i'm so fucking excited for it no i mean it sets up the song really nicely the way that john travolta gets so fucking excited about this car what's a little problematic about the song is that it's more about the chicks they want to bang in the car than it is about the car like you know tell me about the tires and tell me about the fuel economy of the vehicle does it have cup holders we'll never know because they're just talking about, oh my God, these chicks are going to go crazy for Grease Lightning. Does anyone want to actually like, does anyone actually want to drive the car? Do you want to sit in the driver's seat and like go somewhere? Because I love driving. I love my car. It's definitely got cup holders and it has Apple CarPlay. Those are the things I want to hear. If the song is about the car, maybe just make it more about the car. The dance number in the film. Again, I know I said I wasn't going to focus too much on the movie, but the dance number is stupendous. Starts off in the high school area of like the shop with their female shop teacher, which was very progressive in the 50s or for the time period that this was supposed to be, which was the 50s. And they're all dancing around the car and they're in kind of just like, you know, the car looks like a piece of shit. Kaniki picked it up from God knows where. Um, but they're dancing around the car. They're kind of like fixing it up. And then there's a part where John Travolta slides under the car. And when he comes out, he's in a fancy coverall. No, he's not in coveralls. He's in his fancy leather jacket, his formal leather jacket, if you will. Type black t-shirt, type black pants, and all the other guys are in their formal cover all outfits, like silver cover all outfits. It just gets like a ruckus. There's an engine coming down from the ceiling. Kaniki's on the car combing his hair. He gets the cleanest part in the back of his head that I've ever seen in my life. Just, you know, it's just guys being dudes. Guys being dudes, working on the car, dancing around the car, coordinated hand movements like go grease lightning, you're burning up a quarter mile. I think that's the lyrics. Is that right? Sounds about right. I do have a moment of messaging to uh, maybe some of the people listening to this podcast who think that the car they drive is very important. Um, to some people, it might be. They might be like, oh yeah, like girls want me to drive a nice car or boys want me to drive a nice car and that's really impressive. For some people, that is. I will say the majority of people would rather like you just be nice to your mother and like don't say you're an entrepreneur on Hinge, you know? Like don't tell me you're self-employed. We all know what that means. And on that note, I think we're going to go to another track on the record. Um, let's go in a little bit of a different direction. I am going to talk about the song I had alluded to in the beginning, which is Rizzo's big number uh, called There Are Worse Things I Could Do. So this comes at a time in the film where uh, Rizzo thinks she's pregnant. Spoiler alert, she doesn't end up being pregnant, but she thinks she's pregnant with um, a baby <laughs> as opposed to, I don't know what, Kiara, let's take another sip of this and figure that out. She thinks she's pregnant. She thinks she's PG and uh, word gets out. They're at the drive-in. She tells Marty and then Marty can't keep her fucking trap shut. So Marty goes off and tells everybody, gets back to Kaniki. Turns out it's not Kaniki's baby. It's that other guy from that other school. I don't remember his name, but he's scary looking. And there's a part at the school where, you know, one of the girls walks by Riz and she goes, oh, that's the girl I was telling you about. She knows everybody's fucking talking about her. And they're basically saying she's a slut uh, because she got knocked up. And this whole song, the whole vibe of this song is Rizzo saying, you know, is the fact that I hook up with guys, like, is the fact that I'm, you know, sexually liberated, like that bad to you people? Like, 
at the end of the day, and especially by 2021 standards, she's just a woman who owns her own sexuality. And like, yeah, like you should own it. You should be able to do what you want as long as it's responsible and you're not hurting anybody. Um, and it's such a double standard in this film too. And I feel like this is also kind of, I like that they included this song, but the double standard still exists because you have characters like Kaniki, like Danny Zuko, who are celebrated for being this kind of like lady killer type, right? But then Rizzo sleeping with other guys is the worst. Like literally, is that the worst thing that she could be doing right now? No, I mean, she could be doing like heroin. That shit's bad. She could be doing so many other worse things with her life, but she's just owning who she is and she's doing what she wants. And she maybe made a bit of a mistake, but she doesn't deserve to be chastised by it. She says in the song, I don't steal and I don't lie, but I can feel and I can cry. A fact I bet you'll never knew, but to cry in front of you, that's the worst thing I could do. And for me, reading those lyrics, it makes me think about the assumptions we make about people. Rizzo knows that people make assumptions about her. She does come across in the film as a, a little bit of a tougher character. She's not very nice to Sandy. She's not even that nice to her friends and to the people around her. She's, you know, dry and sarcastic and kind of rude sometimes. And people might think that she doesn't have feelings and that she doesn't really care. Um, but you know, when she says, I don't want to cry in front of you or to cry in front of you would be the worst thing I could do. It would be tearing down this wall that she's kind of built up around herself. Um, but at the end of the day, she has feelings and she gets hurt too. So I think this ballad is a really strong one. Um, I think it's really important to also talk about in 2021, when a lot of these double standards between men and women still exist. I was proud to see that the song made it into the movie as well. Um, and I don't think it's one that people talk about enough. So I'm happy to be talking about it today. I feel like we've got to talk about one of the most iconic songs off this record, which is Summer Nights. Basically, if you haven't seen the film, again, major spoilers, but this comes very early on in the movie where Sandy has just started school at Rydell High. She has just transferred from Australia and uh, Danny has come back as most of the kids have come back from summer break, they're ready to start their senior year. And Sandy's having lunch with the pink ladies. Danny's having lunch with the T-Birds. And they all want to know about what everyone did over the summer. And so Danny and Sandy, though they're not together physically in this moment, duet the song telling their own interpretations or their own perceptions of their summer romance, which we kind of get a glimpse of at the beginning. It's a lot of time on the beach. It's a lot of chasing each other on the beach. It's a lot of making out on the beach. It's a lot of things on the beach but we kind of hear the two different sides. We hear like the Danny Zuko point of view, which is, oh yeah, I hooked up with this girl. We made out under the dock. On the Sandy Olsen side, she's telling a much more wholesome side to the story. So she's saying, you know, um, we stayed up till 10 o'clock and we went to the arcade and uh, he was sweet and he just turned 18, like very exciting. Like he's a grown man now, like very, you know, it, it's not a super, she's not getting into the details of uh, perhaps the more physical, intimate relationship they might've had. She's just talking about, oh, I met this really sweet guy and we did all this fun stuff over the summer. So you already see the juxtaposition between these two characters and what's important to them. So we've got that. There are a couple moments in the song that are, you know, maybe again, a little bit problematic, not great in the year 2021. There's a moment when Kaniki um, asks Danny if she put up a fight and you're like, huh, well, that doesn't sound great because if she did put up a fight, then anything that you were trying to 
do was probably not consensual. And then when the whole scene happened at the drive-in, when he tried to feel her up, I was a little bit like, okay, wait, no, I'm kind of starting to see a pattern here. Red flag, red flag. Not the greatest line. Am I embarrassed that I sang along to every word? Yeah, you fucking bet. Because if I had like my phone on shuffle and this came up at like a group setting, I'd probably be embarrassed that it was in my library. It's kind of just, you know, it's very doo It's very 50s. It's very cheesy. But everyone knows the words, especially if you've seen the movie and you're all singing that like really big high note at the end when Danny Zuko is like pointing up to the sky, basically declaring his love for the girl he grew up at the beach. Um, it's I'm going to say I teeter on this one because I think it's pretty realistic on the one hand where, you know, I, there are certain people who will describe a relationship in a very, in a more explicit manner and other people who hold back and who decide to talk about their thoughts and feelings and the hobbies that the person is interested in and not necessarily what they did under the dock. It's fine. Either way, you do you. But I also highly doubt that there would be a group of dudes who would sing and dance trying to find out about what their friend did over the summer. So there's that. But we can't knock the film. It's been out for 40 years. We can't change that. I think I'm going to go to Beauty School Dropout's an interesting one. That's an interesting one for me. So this is sung by Frankie Avalon. Didn't know a whole lot about Frankie Avalon, but apparently he was pretty big back in the day. Obviously in the film, he has past his prime. So he's a lot older, but he appears in the moment, in the moment of the film where Frenchie, one of the main characters who wants to be a beautician, uh, is going to cosmetology school, realizes it's a lot harder than she thought. She keeps messing up. She accidentally dyes her hair pink during her tinting class. She's very upset by it. It sucks. And she's questioning if she made the right decision by dropping out of high school and going to cosmetology school to pursue what she thought was her dream. And so she's like at the diner, that they all seem to hang out at. And Frankie Avalon appears in this like angelic kind of form. He comes down this like white set of stairs and there's dry ice all around him. It's all very, you know, it's all very share music videos in the eighties. Um, and he's basically telling her to go back to high school. He says, well, they couldn't teach you anything. You think you're such a looker, but no customer would go to you unless she was a hooker. And you're kind of like, well, that's not fair because she just, accidentally dyed her hair pink and she wants to be a beautician and you're kind of shitting all over her dream Frankie Avalon like who even asked you realistically but I guess you know he's also telling her to rethink her decision and maybe finish up her diploma graduate high school see what options then present themselves to her once she has done her senior year um, but the whole song kind of like transpires into a bit of a Frenchie roast like he says who wants their hair done by a slob and then he says well, at least you could have taken time to wash and clean your clothes up after spending all that dough to have the doctor fix your nose up. And you're like, so are you just pointing out all the things that you don't like about her because you think that that's going to get her to go back to high school? Because let me tell you, people in high school will also point out the shit that's wrong with you. So I don't know if you're really on a winning side here, but it's kind of a, it's a funny moment in the film for me because again, like none of the main characters really take part in it, but I do feel like it's also very memorable. Frenchie doesn't get a lot of like one-on-one -on -one time with the camera. And because I like her as a character, um, I was happy that she got a bit of a, a bit of a break in the film where it was just all about Frenchie for a moment. Um, I kind of wish she like would have been able to sing in it, but uh, you know, that's fine. I guess this is Frankie Avalon's turn. I mean, he had his time in the fifties, but who knows, but it was an interesting one. I feel like again, from a songwriting perspective, it could have had a little bit more like, Hey, don't you want to 
finish high school so that you have a diploma and that can get you a good job or you can apply to beauty school after it will always be there. Pursue your dreams. Like if you really want to stick with beauty school, that's okay. But maybe you need to work harder. Like positive reinforcement might've done the job better than just like, you know, hating on Frenchie. And I think where I'm going to end the discussion on the songs today is the, on the song that ends the film, which is you're the one that I want. Um, again, everyone knows this song. This song is massive. I will admit that I do really like it. Um, it's very catchy. Um, I would love someone to duet it with me, someone to be a Danny to my Sandy, because even though I disagree with the whole makeover thing, I would pay so much money for that outfit. It's not even funny. I love a good off the shoulder moment with a red lip, big hair, leather jacket. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm there. I'm there yesterday, in fact. Um, And it's just, it's fun to kind of like play that role, like play the role of like good girl gone bad. And I'm really coming around on uh, the hypocrisy of this episode because I shat on it pretty hard in the opening of this. But at the same time, it's like, you know, everybody wanted that like big reveal moment. Everyone wanted, even if you look at a film like, I don't know, Princess Diaries or something, or She's All That, everyone almost wanted that moment where suddenly they were somebody else. They didn't really change internally, but the surface has changed. And then suddenly people start to take notice. It's a bad message and I don't agree with it. But you bet as a very impressionable young girl that has now been in my mind (laughs) since watching this film. I also appreciate the choreography that takes place in the movie to accompany this song. It all happens at like the senior senior summer um, carnival, I guess. It's like a carnival. They set all this like roller coasters and Ferris wheels. And there's like one of those things where you hit the you hit the bell and that thing. What's that called? Strongman test? I don't even know. But you hit the thing. And depending on how hard you can hit it, the bell goes up. I don't know. I should stop rambling about that. They've got a shake shack, whatever the fuck that means. But the choreography is great. A lot of John Travolta with those hips. I mean, say what you want about the man. He's weird and he can't pronounce Idina Menzel, but he can really move. And he does really move in this uh, in this song. At the end of the day, too, I do like that it's also kind of, even though, even though the lesson may not have been learned, it's still asking somebody to, you know, treat you with respect and to love you. And Danny even says like, I better shape up because you need a man. And she says, yeah, you better shape up because my heart is set on you. And he's like, okay, you got it, Sandy. Even though you just changed everything about you and went back on everything you believed in, I guess I'll be there for you. These five words, I swear to you. That's a Bon Jovi reference. That has nothing to do with Greece. But anyways, it's fun. (laughs) It's light. I think it does end the film on a good note, but at the same time, who the fuck decided that they would fly off into grease lightning into the sky? That was a dumb decision for that. The whole thing to just like the whole car just lifts off the ground and like Sandy's waving. She's like, bye. See ya. And they're flying off into the sky. I was like, what, who, who was, who was the high one on the film crew? Who was like, you know what we should do? We should make grease lightning fly. Not only is it a babe magnet, it's also a futuristic being. Okay, so we've reached the critical point in the podcast. At this point, um, I've been enjoying my tequila sunrise. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to rate the Grease soundtrack out of five tequila sunrises. And then I'm going to tell you why. So let's do it, shall we? Out of five tequila sunrises, I'm going to give this soundtrack a two and a half. That's pretty low, but hear me out. While I think that the songs are catchy, I feel like that's the compliment I paid to this soundtrack the most is that it was a catchy soundtrack. Catchy is great, but it can also veer on annoying. 
So even in reviewing the soundtrack for today's episode, I was a little bit like, I can only listen to this like once and I get the gist and I'm good. I don't need to hear Grease Lightning four or five times. I don't need to hear you're the one that I want four or five times. Like I get the gist, like we're fine. Move on. Let's move on to something else. What saves the soundtrack is just how... I think how closely people have held Greece in their hearts because it was something that, especially if you're in and around my age, like if you're, if you're a millennial, you probably watched it with your parents. You probably watched it with your friends. Uh, if you were like me and you were into musicals at a young age, it was probably a movie that you went back to and learned the choreography and had fun singing around the house. Like I totally love and respect that, but I don't think it stands the test of time either in some of the lyrics, in some of the way that the songs are written in the movie and the content and the way that they, it just, it's not a perfect film anymore. And I feel I have grown out of it. I feel I have grown out of this film in the last 20 years of my life. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to give it two and a half stars out of five. It's not one that I'm just going to throw on and listen to the soundtrack. It's not something I'm just going to pull up on Netflix and watch all the time. And it was still fun to revisit it. I definitely, uh, I'm glad that I did the episode. I'm glad I got to drink tequila. Hopefully you guys are drinking some tequila too. And hopefully you still like the episode, even though I talked so negatively about hopefully what is not one of your um, most favorite films. Cause that'll be bad if you're just searching for this on Apple podcasts and you're ready for me to rip on this movie for like 40 minutes. But at the end of the day, there are some albums that I will hold very, very true to my heart for nostalgic purposes. This just isn't going to be one of them. Sorry, John Travolta. That brings us to the end of our episode, guys. I just wanted to thank you again so much for listening. This has been really fun. Um, it was weird doing this by myself again, but I also kind of liked it. And um, stay tuned for more episodes. Um, thank you for subscribing. If you haven't already subscribed, I would love it if you could. It means a lot to me. And um, cheers to the end of summer and hopefully what will be a very safe and healthy fall. <laughs>